Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. It's a podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 48, where this week we're looking at life insurance and getting to grips with the basics. More on that in just a second, but you're in exactly the right place to research for other financial advice too, because in our programs tonight, we've covered mortgages, investments, pensions, credit unions, self-built homes, help to buy schemes, loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we focused on premium bonds. We can drill down and look at pretty much anything forensically, but if you have a general financial query, first place to look is probably our back catalogue. Search the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find us there. An enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me, as always, the star of our show. Here's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Uh, Okay, life insurance, getting to grips with the basics. I get the feeling this is going to be one of those episodes where midway through I realise, oh, no, I should have done this ages ago. Uh, That's another thing for the list, but better knowing than not and sticking your head in the sand. The problem, I I guess, with life insurance is convincing people they need it when they're young because at that age, you know, you feel invincible. Usually maybe money's a bit tight as well. And and what do you have to spend on? But frivolous stuff like nights out, if you remember those. So do I need, does everybody need life insurance? Yeah, do you know, like life insurance is such an important thing. And I I don't know, like for for me, I I always wanted to have life insurance in place. I've, I've got six boys, so it's really important for myself because I think if anything happens to me, I want them to be be looked after. But if somebody needs convincing that life insurance is a good product to buy, the question I would ask them is, if you were to die, how much money would your family have to live on? And that, mm. that's the key thing. And, and you'll find that many families would find themselves running short of money really quite quickly. If someone's working, their salary would stop, but the household bills would still keep coming in. So you've got to kind of look at that and say, right, do you have savings? I mean, not everybody needs life insurance there. There will be some people that that don't. If you've no dependents, you're maybe a bit older with no debts, then perhaps that it wouldn't be so important. But if someone's working, especially if they've got family, if anything happens to them, you've got to say, right, take away your income and how does your, your family get by? So, you know, a, a payout from a policy could make the world a difference and at a time when I mean if someone does pass away sort of prematurely and that's a time where there not only could be financial struggles but also emotional struggles as well so having that money there could just help them not only maintain their lifestyle but just make life a, a little bit kind of easier and and I'm going on about initially sort of covering the breadwinner but do you know that the person at home is, is just as important as well that there's a lot of kind of people at, at home that if anything happened to them, I know, like, just for, say, for example, my ex-partner, if anything happened to her, the kids would then come and stay with me. I would then need to, to look at childcare. So there, there's a lot of things. And one of the shows that we did that I always thought was a really important one, it was in the early days, probably within the first 10 shows that we did, one of them was on taking out life insurance on an ex spouse or partner oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was such an important one and that things like that's often such an overlooked sort of area 
I was having a look at statistics and UK insurers pay out a staggering £14.5 million every day on protection <laughs> policies. Wow. So now, now that includes income protection and critical illness cover, as well as, as life insurance. But and according to the, the Association of British Insurers, 97.6% of claims are paid. So it, it's something that, that there's a lot of money gets paid out. And like you say, everyone thinks they're infallible and it'll never happen to me. But I, unfortunately, I've seen that quite a number of times in the past where mm. somebody's passed away sort of prematurely. How much um, do you actually need in terms of cover? How do you figure that out, Phil? You know, there, there's not really a simple answer to that. I mean, it, it'll depend on someone's lifestyle and, and circumstances. You, you might want to, if you've got a mortgage, you may want to, to take something out to, to protect that. But, I mean, a lot of folk, when they take out a mortgage, they'll take out life insurance to pay that off should anything happen. But what you've also got to think about is things like covering household bills, like personal loans, credit cards, you also would want to provide a lump sum so that your children can get a good education. That might be another motivating factor for the, the amount of cover that, that someone would take out. But, but, but I would say that the great thing with life insurance is that you can really tailor it to your needs. And, and I'll, I'll say this almost every week, but a good financial advisor can help you assess how much is right for you, depending on your, your family circumstances. But th there's no real right or, or wrong answer for, for how much cover someone would need, I would say. And when we're talking about this subject, what exactly is term assurance? Yeah, you've got a couple of different types of, of life insurance. One of them is a, a term assurance policy. Now, that would usually run for a fixed period. So somebody might take it out for 10 years, 15, 25 years. I, I'm away to take one out for myself. I'm away to take out a mortgage over 17 years. So I'm going to do a term of, of 17 years for, for my policy. But basically, if you take out a term policy... If you die within that period, the policy would, would pay out. There's various different forms of cover that you can choose from. So you can have it that the cover stays level, doesn't change. So you, you might take out £100,000 worth of cover for 10 years. If you die after one year or eight years, it pays out exactly the, the same amount. So the, the cover on that one remains constant throughout the term of the policy. A lot of people will take out decreasing term policies so um, for example in the case of a mortgage so my one that I'm looking at taking out we will go for a decrease in term policy so that comes down in line with how our, our mortgage comes down so I know that if if I make a claim if I die in the next 17 years my mortgage will be totally paid off mm -hmm. and that type of policy will be cheaper because the cover is coming down as the term goes on mm. what you will find some people will, will look at that and they'll think well hang on i would rather pay a bit more and have it level because your chances of dying would be higher as you get older you, you also get in, increase in policies so some people might say right it might cover me for hundred thousand initially but i want it going up in line with inflation so if inflation would say two percent next year it'd be 102,000, then it would go up again so there's quite a number of different types of policy that, that you can take out. And again, that's where a good financial advisor can help you understand all the different types of cover that, that's available. But you, you'll tend to find like decreasing term policies will often be used with a, a repayment mortgage. Years ago, people used to often take out interest-only mortgages. They would cover them with a, a level sort of policy that, that wouldn't decrease. The, the intention of the policies is still the same. It pays out, if you were to die within that set term, it pays out a lump sum, which 
can be used either to pay off a mortgage or debt or the money that can be left for family, uh, whether it be for the, the children, for, for a wife, ex-partner. There's a number of reasons there. But with a term policy, if you cancel that policy or stop paying the premiums, then the, the cover will cease at, at that point as well. You, you can usually cancel that policy at any time. And if you live beyond the term of the policy, the, the cover just terminates and your premiums are, are gone at that point. A wee bit like your car insurance. If you don't make a claim, that money's kind of gone there. But I, I suppose you don't want to be making a claim on it. So you're hoping that it is money that you're paying out for, not for no reason, but you are hoping that it's never going to be, be needed, really. Now, here's the thing. You mentioned the, the decreasing cover. Now, this is something that, uh, <laughs> this is an advantage of the show for, I get to ask you questions that are relevant specifically to me. But here's one that I think might actually affect a few people. So we have a decreasing uh, policy. And the simple fact is we've gone back a couple of times and we've done work on our house where we've maybe remortgaged or done some, you know, certain things, certain renovations, that surely is going to affect the decreasing cover policy because you change the value of the house, haven't you? Yeah, it does. You know, like what, what some people would do in that circumstances is they may keep their existing policy and then top it up with, with additional policies. Some providers, they're, they're a lot more flexible these days. Some of them have got what's called guaranteed insurability options. So depending on your provider, in, in certain circumstances, you can increase your cover. So for example, if you move home, they, they may have an, an option where you can automatically increase it without any more medical questions. One thing I would always say is if someone's reviewing their existing policies, never stop your any policy you've already got. Mm. Don't stop it until any new one is in place because it may be that you, you've maybe had any medical things change or for whatever reasons, you might find it hard to get cover again. And I have seen it in the past where folk have thought, right, I'll just cancel that, take out a new one. And then for whatever reason, they've not got the cover for, for the new policy. So that, that's one thing I would always say. But a lot of the policies are a lot more flexible than, than what they used to be. So I, I would always check with the existing provider to say, right, can you increase this? Can you amend this policy? You, you get what's called menu plans. Years ago, the first company to come out with, with it was Scottish Provident. I used to do a lot of policies with them when I was advising. And they, they call it a menu plan. And basically, you can pick the different bits of cover you want. But it was also really flexible so that if you moved home, you could say, right, or extended your home, they would allow you just to increase that cover in line with what you needed. You could extend the term, decrease the term. So there, there are policies that are a lot more flexible than maybe some of the ones that used to be in the past. And I, I think this uh, is, I can almost predict how you're going to answer this, but let's just say um, you think that you might require to change um, your, your policy in one of the ways that you're talking about there. Yeah. Um, the first point of call should be your financial advisor as opposed to the policy provider, right? Yeah, I, I would, I mean, if, if it was set up by a financial advisor, best going back to, to speak to them, the way financial advisors get paid for setting up life insurance policies, they still get paid a commission from the provider. Now, if, if you were to go straight to, for example, Aviva or, or legal in general, the premiums will be still the same if you go directly to them as it is through a financial advisor. Mm. So it, it's definitely worth, if you've got a financial advisor, I would speak to them in the first instance, just to see what they kind of recommend. 
Importantly, as well, Aviva are not going to recommend Zurich, or, or you know, they're not going to yeah, re- recommend guess, anyone I know, else. Yeah, hey, you're, you're dead right. I mean, that that's one of the good things is that financial advisors you'll get what's called independent financial advisors, and they'll research the whole market to to get the the best deals for you. But yeah, you're you're dead right. If you go just to one provider, they'll only look at their own policies. Whereas if you went to a financial advisor, they'll look at all the the different companies now. You, you do get comparison websites that will – the life insurance generally is quite a straightforward product to, to go on and compare. So you, you can go on to, to some of these comparison websites. But what I would say is one, one of the benefits of speaking to a financial advisor is they can look at things like these guaranteed insurability options. A, a lot of the providers now have added benefits. Like there, there's one that has something called best doctors. So if, if you were – diagnosed with, with maybe some sort of illness, they actually provide you with medical experts that, that can assess you. And, and there's ones that have actually got a panel of experts all over the world. So there's added benefits like that, that a lot of people wouldn't know about when, when they're comparing life insurance. So it's definitely worth speaking to a specialist that, that kind of deals in, in that field. There's so many different types of policies. I mean, like we mentioned, you've got like level term policies, you get whole of life policies, that there's so many different types of policies out there. Yeah, and this one is maybe a little bit more self-explanatory given your, your previous answer, but how exactly does the, the whole of life policy work then? The whole, whole of life policies, as their name suggests, it yeah. provides cover that lasts a lifetime. They, they're quite often used maybe when it comes to funeral planning, they can be used for inheritance tax planning. With, with this type of policy, it doesn't normally have an end date. So the premiums are paid until you die, at which point the policy then pays out. Now, sometimes the premiums will end at a certain age, say maybe age 80, but the cover will continue until your death. So you know you've got a guaranteed sum coming out at some point in time. What you do find with this type of cover is that generally it's more expensive than term policies because the insurer at some point inevitably is going to have to pay out one day as long as the premiums are, are maintained. So they do tend to be a, a wee bit more expensive, but they, they've got their uses as well. And, and you do get some folk that think, right, I, I want something where I know I've got a guaranteed payout. And it, they might think, right, I want to put that towards, like I, I mentioned there, funerals, different things there. So... So yeah, whole, whole of life policies have, have got their use there when it comes to taking out life insurance as well. Kind of a peace of mind policy, isn't it? That you're you're not just sort of leaving someone high and dry. They're, they're going to have your settlement to help yeah. them out in the future. Now, as always, Phil, when it comes down to anything like this, it comes down to cost and how much value somebody puts on having this in place. Now, I know you said it, it can vary, but let's deal with this cost aspect first and try and nail it down a little bit. How expensive is it on average, let's say? I'd probably say the simple answer is it probably costs less than, than what people think. The, the cost of life insurance premiums has tended to come down over the last few years because people on average are, are living longer. For, for example, I, I went in and did a quote just for a, assuming someone's in good health, a non-smoker, age 30, they could get a 25-year term policy that would pay a lump sum of 100000 for as little as £7 a month. Oh, wow. So, you know, when, when you look at that, it's a small price to pay when you consider that having no insurance could mean real financial hardship. Yeah. Now, often you hear this next thing that I'm going to mention in tandem with life insurance, critical illness cover. Explain to me how that works, please, and whether it's worthwhile. Yeah, I mean, many people will take out critical illness cover 
at the same time as when they, they take out life insurance. And, and what happens there, it provides additional cover that means their family would be financially protected if you were to suffer a critical illness and find themselves unable to work. Combining these two types of policies can sometimes result in, in cheaper premiums rather than taking out two separate policies. And again, as with life insurance, you can specify the level of cover that you want as well. I, I've had it in the past where some people have said, right, I'll maybe take out £100,000 a life and cover, sorry, £100,000 a life cover, 50000 a critical illness. And they thought, right, if I was to die, it pays out a bit more. If I suffer a critical illness, at least I've got something that, that pays out. And crit critical illness policies tend to cover things like being diagnosed with cancer, heart disease, stroke. That, that's the type of thing that, that that pays out on. The illnesses covered vary greatly between providers. So it's really vital to check what's covered and, and any exclusions that might apply as mm. well. But mm. basically, if, if you look at so, some companies do what's called serious illness cover, most of them tend to badge it as critical illness cover. But the main things are like heart attack, cancer, stroke. That that would be your, your main things that 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 type of policy would pay out for. So when it comes down to it, Phil, if someone is still confused with what certain companies offer and they aren't sure which to go with, what to do, or even if they can afford it, how can an advisor help? Like I said, I mean, that, that's where, I mean, it can be hard to assess how much life insurance that you need, but in order to reach a, a suitable figure, that's where your, your advisor would discuss things like how much debt you have, including a, a mortgage, any other loans that you have, credit cards, they would also check as well to see if you've any life cover available as part of your employment package. So a lot of people might have death and service benefits through their work. They may have some sort of death benefits through their, their pension. But a financial advisor will spend time assessing your needs. They've got the specialist expertise and knowledge that they're, they're able to help you find the right policy and, and put that in place for you. And just to summarise, Phil, in terms of takeaway points, what, what's your top tips for life insurance? Yeah, I've probably got... I, I, Probably got about six top tips. I, I would say, I, I'll go through each one sort of separately, but the, the six of them, I would say, starting early saves you money, adopt a healthy lifestyle, get the cover that you need, consider two single life policies if you're a couple, write your policies in trust and review your plans from time to time. Now, I'll, I'll kind of go through each of them. And yeah. the, the first one, starting early saves you money. So the younger and healthier you are, the lower your premiums are likely to be. As you get older, you'll be seen as a higher risk to insurers. So acting sooner rather than later, you could lock in a lower premium for the, the duration of your cover. Second one I said was adopt a healthy lifestyle. Cost of life insurance is based on a number of factors. This includes things like how long you take the cover out for, but it also includes your age, state of health and lifestyle. If someone stops smoking, that could, once you've been stopped for a year, you're then classed as a non-smoker. So it's a, that can, can have a positive impact on your, your premiums. If you lose a significant amount of weight, you might be able to get cheaper premiums there as well. So adopting a healthy lifestyle is, is important. And not only that, but so there are a couple of insurers that there's one I know of, they, they've got what's called a vitality plan where if you sign up to this and do so many steps per day they'll actually reduce your premiums as time goes on as well so again that's another benefit of they, they know the healthier people are the less likely they are to, to make claims as i said mentioned about getting the cover you need people's insurance needs change i mean when they buy a property or have family they take out more debt or change jobs and, and cover can be combined combined with 
protection against accidents, critical illness, unemployment as well. So it, it's important to get the, the cover that you need. I, I mentioned about considering two single life policies if you're a couple. Generally, you tend to find the cost of taking out two single policies doesn't cost that much more than taking out a joint policy. I, I've tended to find in my experience, usually it adds about 10% to the cost, but that means that if you both had cover, if, if you were to both die, say at the same time, it pays out twice rather than, than just the once. And also if one did, if one made a claim, the other one still has cover in place as well. So rather than taking out a single policy, I, I would definitely consider taking out two like separate policies if, if it's for a couple. Another top tip I would say is write your policy in trust. If you put your life, in, life insurance policy in trust, it ensures that in the event of your death, the proceeds don't form part of your estate. So that can be really quite important when it comes to inheritance tax. The other benefit as well is that it means that the, the policies are likely to pay out a lot quicker. You don't have to wait for probate to be granted so that the providers can pay out your policy a lot quicker if it's written in trust. And again, that's one of the advantages of doing it through a financial advisor. If you go onto some of the comparison websites, they're not going to mention trusts or anything to you at all. So definitely a, a big advantage of putting your, your policy in trust. And, and that's quite an easy thing for, for an advisor to, to help you with. And then the, the final top tip that I mentioned was review your plans from time to time. I mean, people's insurance needs change. I mean, they, they might have children, they might change job. So it's definitely good to, to kind of keep reviewing things on a, an ongoing basis. And, and I, I would always say to folk, look, every two or three years, just sit down, have a review of things, not only, I mean, people often review their pensions, they often review their mortgage, but quite a lot of the times when it comes to life insurance, they think, oh no, I've got that in place, don't need to, to look at it. But there's always sort of new policies come out. As I mentioned, life insurance generally over the years has got a, a wee bit cheaper as, as people are living longer. So it's definitely worth reviewing your plans from time to time. You know what I think, Phil, having, having been on this podcast now for almost a year, I yeah. think what I need and what a lot of people need is like a smorgasbord night of financial advice, right? So remember when you used to go to school for parents night, you know, you go around all the teachers. I think I need to come along to like a financial <laughs> advisor and just go around and start with pensions and then insurance and literally just go right the way through and get a, like a full workup of what I should and could do and with, my, with my financial advice. Because every time we do a podcast, there's always... Always something that I think, oh, I'm going to have to address this. So, so we, that's probably what we need. That's what we need yeah. to do. Do you, do you know, they often say that, like, protection is the cornerstone of financial planning. And, and it is things like life insurance is so important, income protection, critical illness cover. There's, I mean, there's a lot of different options out there. And, and ultimately, if someone was to take cover for everything, I mean, costs could start to spiral but yeah. it's all weighing it up and people will insure quite quite often they'll insure their car their pets you, you know folk are more likely to insure their pets than than probably insure themselves it's crazy do you know i i, I said to my wife literally about 10 minutes when we started this podcast said, look at this the dog's better insured than we are <laughs> and, <laughs> honestly it's almost it's almost on a par in terms of how much we pay out per month yeah uh, it's just just nuts okay now each week so far as we've covered various topics um phil's given us a, a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been discussing so phil today life insurance 
I'm going to guess you have it now, but you didn't when you were younger. Yeah, do you know, I, I did take out a policy. The, the very first time I took out any policies was the, the very first mortgage I took out, which oh, probably looking at about 20 years ago now. And do you know, at that time, the advisor that set it all up for myself, I mean, they, they did a great job. I had life insurance, critical illness cover, income protection, I had the lot, and I was paying oh, probably well over 100 quid a month. But at that time, I couldn't afford 100 quid a month. I, I was on a wage, I think, nine, nine or nine and a half thousand a year. So that was a lot of money to be forking out. And in the end, I ended up cancelling. I think I cancelled the whole lot. Whereas one of the things, when I was advising, I used to say to folk, yeah, like go through different options. And in an ideal world, this would be great if you could take this out. But you, you've got to weigh it all up, have you? And like now yeah. I, I pay out, oh, jeepers, I, I pay probably about £150 a month for, for all the different policies that I've got. I also pay out one on my ex-partner, five kids with her. So pay oh, 20 or £30 a month for a policy that covers... It, it, she's the one that's insured on the policy, but if she was to die, that money would come to myself. And then if there was a payout made, that would allow me to maybe take time off work to look after the kids, that, yeah. that sort of thing. And then for, for myself as well, I mean, I, I've got, I think mine's just split up into about five different policies. I, I took it out before Alexander, my youngest son, was born. I've got six boys now, and I've actually got it so that, I think if I die, each of my kids get about 100,000 each, and it's all right. written in trust, so that would go straight to each. I, I think it's held in trust. I have a funny feeling my ex-partner, Michelle, is the, the trustee on it, so she, she would kind of have a bit of access to, to that, but the money would be left for bringing up the kids should anything mm. happen to myself. So such an important area, and, and it is. It's, it's always worth reviewing it quite regularly as well. Yeah, I think it's best you know that the, the full picture, then make your decisions accordingly. If you can't afford everything, then you, you sort of yeah. you know, pick pick what's important to you. Having something is better than nothing. Yeah. That, that's one yeah. thing as well. Uh, Phil, we always do this bit as well. You, you find inspiration through various people you admire, and you do love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on life insurance? I do. The quote of the week this week is from someone called Ben Feldman. Life insurance is time. The time a man might not have. If he needs time, he needs life insurance. I <laughs> know. Uh, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's. The contact details coming up. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. I have a lump sum coming to me when I retire at Christmas. I heard this week there's talk from the Bank of England they're frightened inflation may rise to as high as 4%, and they might look at increasing interest twice next year, each time by a quarter percent. Whilst not much, it still makes a difference. Should I hold off investing money into anything significant to see if these interest rates happen? You know, it's hard to say where interest rates will go next. I mean, it the, the Bank of England base rate at the minute is at a record low, so you would suspect at some point it's going to start to, to go up. Yeah. My own feelings are that when interest rates do go up, it's probably going to be a bit, I, I think it'll be quite gradual. The UK on a, UK economy is sort of growing again after the pandemic. And I kind of see the Bank of England wanting to put rates up very quickly, given the impact that it's had on, on things. If you're looking to invest into let's say, stocks and shares, ISAs, that sort of thing, 
my advice would be not to to hold off. Probably better to to invest as soon as possible into that. If you're looking at things like fixed rate deposits, then you know, like perhaps if you kept the money accessible now and then do something later on, it, it might help. But if you are looking at like longer term investments, I, I would say sort of just crack on now and and don't hold back. Next is Shruin in Abolar, who says, now that furlough's coming to an end, I'm very concerned I'm about to be made redundant. Any advice on what best to do with uh, my settlement so I can survive for a while until I hopefully get another job? Now, I think, Phil, seeing this coming, uh, this was show number one almost a year ago, wasn't it? I mean, what happens if I'm made redundant? So probably worth looking there. But to summarise for Struin or, or anyone else who's frightened of being made redundant soon with, with furlough winding down, what's your best advice? Yeah, it was. It was one of the first shows we did yeah. on it was that one. And, and you know, most of it, I'll need to take a listen to it, but most of it's probably still current today. That's one thing was occasionally some of the shows you do, Things can change, so things might become a little bit outdated. But I think on that one, probably everything that we discussed then is, is probably still relevant. But what I would say, it's always good to sit down with a financial advisor and review your, all your finances, especially for those who are closer to retirement. So I don't know how old Struan is, but um, definitely be, be worth sitting down with a, a financial advisor. Before a redundancy, you might want to consider maximising pension contributions as well, especially if your your redundancy payments in excess of £30,000. So again, it depends how much redundancy payout you you might be be getting there. It's also a good time to review your budgets. If you think you might struggle financially, we've got previous episodes as well on managing your debt, which might be kind of helpful in, in budgeting there. So it is, it's not a good situation just now. And I think there'll be a, a lot of people probably, I, I remember when we did that episode with Wendy about managing your debts, mm. she'd been saying that they'd been a wee bit quieter than the normal, but she did say as furlough is kind of coming to an end, she thought that more and more people would be kind of starting to struggle a bit more yeah. financially. So it's on that horizon, that's, isn't it? that's maybe a good episode to, to listen to for, for some folk as well. Yeah, I would just say as well, before you get in touch with the question, you take a look through that back catalogue because we have covered a lot of topics now and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm Joe Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for Finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show. Search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please rest assured we won't use your real name if that is what you prefer. Now, remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. you got all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. 